by biographies and histories capture, uh, capture our attention. That's why talking with an older person who, who grew up in another age is so interesting. Or, or talking to someone maybe who grew up in another country and you learn all sorts of things. Or maybe you spend time with a missionary and, and all of that can just simply be so enjoyable. That's even why, you understand, why we find gossip interesting. It's about people. And maybe that shouldn't surprise us, I mean, especially as believers, because we know that we are made in the image of God. And the truth is, even if other people weren't interested, God cares about our stories. And the Old Testament is filled with stories about people, and the New Testament has its shares too. And even when someone's Life is not recorded in detail. We often are given bits and pieces which God in his wisdom and his love wants us to know. Which brings us to our topic today. (laughs) We're going to talk, and I think pretty briefly we're going to do this, about Timothy. And Timothy is someone we learn about from the New Testament. And I believe by the time that we close our time together this morning, you'll understand the reason why we're talking about Timothy today. Now, I have to tell you, I don't know whether a literary critic or a a historian would consider Timothy a minor or major character when they looked at the New Testament, but I know that he had a lot of impact on a lot of people in his day, and really it probably continues on down until our day. And we were recently reminded of Timothy a few weeks ago, if you'll remember, when we began our study in the book of Philippians. And Paul includes him in that book as a co-author of the letter that he wrote to that church. But the text that we're going to concentrate on today comes from a letter which Paul wrote to Timothy, the second one, at least that we know of, which in our Bibles is referred to or entitled Second Timothy. And so I want to ask you to join me there uh, in the New Testament in Second Timothy chapter 1, where we're going to be looking at verses 2 through 5. And of course, Sharon will get those uh, that verses up on the screen, so you can uh, look there for those. So I, I'd like to just begin by um, reading the text to you. So this is what Paul wrote uh, to Timothy, my dear son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I might be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. First thing I want us to note here is Paul's relationship to Timothy. Uh, In the text, he calls him my dear son. And he often, in many other places in the New Testament, refers to him as his son. But he doesn't mean by that at all that he's a biological child. This is uh, rather, for, maybe for the want of a better term, a spiritual relationship. It's the kind of thing that Paul meant when he said that Abraham is the father of all of those who believe, whether they were descended from Israel or not. And most people think that 
Paul um, led Timothy to Christ. That he became his father uh, through the preaching of the good news in Jesus Christ. And so Timothy was then his spiritual son. He put his faith in Christ through Paul's preaching. Yet when we look, uh, if we were to look at a particular passage in Acts 16, we would wonder how that could be. Uh, From that passage, it seems as though Paul is being introduced to Timothy there. Now, we're not going to turn there. I'm just going to read it. So if you would listen to me, this is what we read in the book of Acts 16, beginning in verse 1. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. And the believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. And Paul wanted to take him on the journey, so he circumcised him because the Jews who lived in that area, they all knew that his father was a Greek. So when you read that, um, you certainly come away with this impression that the people of that church in Lystra, in speaking so highly of Timothy, influenced Paul and his decision to take Timothy with him. And that indeed is the case. So how could he be a spiritual son? Well, to understand that, the answer comes to us when we know a little bit more about Paul and his journeys. Paul, on his first missionary journey, and we just read something that occurred in his second journey, he was with Barnabas that time, and and he had been in those same places before, as few as three or maybe as many as eight years previously, and we don't have an exact timeline of Paul's law. And it was at that time, through Paul's preaching, that Timothy put his faith in Christ. Now, you have to understand, Paul really didn't know what was happening in the lives of the people he ministered to. I mean, they didn't have cell phones in those days, obviously, but even letters were not overly common. And you see Paul saying things like this in the New Testament. Let's go back. Let's go back to all those places and See all those people we ministered to do and see how they're doing. And that's what Paul brought Paul back to Lystra here. They were going back to see all those that they had shared the gospel with. And when he got there, the people of that church, well, they bragged on Timothy's faith. And their relationship, which had began when Timothy first put his faith in Christ through Paul's preaching, flowered into this long and fruitful association between that young man and that apostle Paul. And Paul really did come to think of him as his dear son. Now there's a passage out of Philippians which really I think is a wonderful passage. It gives us a kind of a glimpse uh, into just who Timothy was, uh, what his character was like, and it's found in chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. But now, we're not going to turn there. Again, I'm, I'm just going to read it to you. But listen to what Paul says about Timothy. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. See, Timothy was a genuine believer who lived out his faith and who had his 
close relationship with a, another person who also lived out his faith, and that was the Apostle Paul. And those few verses which we read earlier in Second Timothy, they really help us to learn more about this. So in verse 2 of Second Timothy, Paul wrote these words, which he always began his letters with, recalling the grace and peace which are ours through Jesus Christ. He says that grace and peace to you. But he also adds here in this letter a reminder of God's mercy. See, we, we know from the tone of the letter and the text of the letter that uh, Timothy was going through a rough patch. We don't know exactly what it was. Paul did. And that's why Paul was writing to him, to encourage him, to tell him something else, to tell him that he was praying for him. In verse 3 again, we read, I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers. You know what Paul's doing here? He's telling Timothy he's grateful to God for him, his friendship, for who he is, and he's praying for it. And he's emphasizing that by saying he's constantly and night and day praying for him. He tells Timothy that's what all genuine followers of God, such as his ancestors, have always done for people they love and who are in need. They pray for them. Our prayers for others helps keep our conscience clear as we serve God. So Timothy's going through this tough time, whatever it was he was going through, and he needed to hear that. And Paul goes on to encourage him, and we learn even more in verse 4 when he writes this, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Isn't it beautiful, isn't it? Simple, direct, gives you some sense of the relationship that they have. I have to tell you, most commentators think that Paul is referring to Timothy's tears when they parted the last time. When Paul went one way and Timothy, in order to serve God, had to go another way. But I don't really think that's what's going on here at all. Not that there may not have been tears like that to when they last parted. There probably were, but Paul has something else in mind here. And I think we can see that from the text. You see, if Paul were referring to Timothy's tears at their parting as making him sad, he would have said, I, I want to see you again so you can so you <laughs> can be happy. And that's not what he says. Instead he says, so that I can have joy and be filled with joy. You see, the tears that Timothy was, I mean, Paul was remembering were those tears that come from someone who is deeply moved by the gospel and someone who loves God and his people and, and the opportunity to serve them. I don't really know how to describe it. They're not tears of sadness. They're, there's a, a touch of sadness in it. They're better described probably as tears of joy when we're overwhelmed by something so grand and so much bigger than ourselves that the tears come to us unbidden. You and I and many other Americans experience something like that 
when we sing our national anthem or we see our flag or say the Pledge of Allegiance or see a man or woman in uniform and we're grateful for their service. We remember that sacrifice. But we also are overwhelmed by all which we have in this country because of that. How how many times have your eyes filled with tears at such things? And when I think about my own son and daughter serving our nation, I can hardly talk about it. That's the kind of thing that Paul experienced talking about. It's the kind of thing that Timothy experienced when when he thought about God, when he thought about his work in our world, the sacrifice of Christ and and all it brought to humankind. And Timothy knew that in some small way he was a part of it. It overwhelmed him. And like it or not, the tears would come unbidden and yet needed in his life. You see, Paul was telling Timothy, that's what I love about you. You love God. And being around you brings me great joy because of that. Verse 5 supports that when Paul says this. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and which I'm persuaded now lives in you. Paul's encouraging Timothy. He's saying, I've seen your faith. I know it's real. I know it's sincere. It's alive. It's in you. And it comes out in the way that you live. Don't you think, Timothy, knowing what we know about him, probably got pretty teary-eyed when he read those words. Don't you think he was probably greatly encouraged? I do. I don't think he could help but be. There's one more thing here in this passage which added to the emotional impact of those first verses of that letter and the entire letter, that impact on Timothy's life at that time of his need. And it's really what I wanted to get to today. I have to tell you, I I honestly didn't so much want to talk to you about Timothy, though I needed to do that to remind you of who he was and what he was like as a person and as a follower of Christ. But what I really wanted to do was point you to two people in this text who had the greatest impact on young Timothy's life. His grandmother and his mother, Lois and Eunice. You know, I'm sure as Timothy thought of them, there was a new wave of tears as he read that letter. Lois and Eunice would probably be called minor characters in the story of the New Testament. Paul was one of the great movers of the faith, and Timothy himself became a really important figure in the church after Paul's life. The writer of uh, Hebrews refers to him. Timothy spent time with Paul in ministry, but he was also sent by Paul to Thessalonica and Corinth and Ephesus, and he had a great impact in all of those places. And he went to Jerusalem with Paul when the apostle knew that he would be arrested, and he came to him in Rome, and he was in jail. Church tradition tells us that Timothy was stoned to death for the faith when he was in his 70s. All of his life, 
he lived for Christ. And his mother and his grandmother were not minor characters in his life. See, the faith which Timothy lived, lived first in them. Paul calls Timothy's faith sincere, but that's the same kind of faith which his mother and grandmother had. Paul's reminding Timothy he had seen the reality of that faith firsthand in them. His mother and grandmother, maybe they already had been Christians when Paul came to Lystra, but they probably did become believers when Timothy did at Paul's preaching that first journey. But it took... It took. It was real. And it made a tremendous difference in that young boy's life. All his life long. And some of you, especially, some of you need to know this because you are in it so you think alone. What I mean is your husband isn't there to help you. But I'm going to tell you, take heart. Neither Lois nor Eunice had the support of their husbands. Timothy's grandfather isn't even mentioned. And his father is simply referred to as a Greek. There is no mention of faith in his, of his faith at all. He, he may have been dead, or they may have been divorced, or he may have still been in the home, but not involved in the faith. And still, Timothy came to faith because of his mom and his grandmom. And that ought to be an encouragement to you if you find yourself in the same place as Lois and Eunice. And if you're here today and you have a husband who is living out the faith and thank God for such a blessing and keep right on living for Christ. Moms, grandmoms, I really want you to realize just how powerful your faith can be in the lives of your children. You know what makes it powerful? You know, it's not your Bible knowledge or your grasp on theology, though those are good things. It's not that you have an answer for every question or know the right thing to do in every situation. Though we can pray and we gain wisdom as we live our lives. What really matters is that your faith is real. That it's alive in you. That you live it out. Not perfectly. None of us do that. But day by day, day in and day out, month after month, year by year, over the long haul, and for a lifetime. And it's not a minor character, but a child of the living God who does that. And a life lived like that matters. Matters more than you can know. Don't lose heart. Keep on keeping on. And remember that God 
is Now, I want to do something that I uh, I do every Mother's Day. I think every chance I've had to do this, I do this. You know, Proverbs 31, the last verse there, says to give women honor at the city gate. Well, you know, we don't have city gates anymore, and this is probably as close as uh, as we get.